to this episode of the Saving Delaware History Podcast, where we'll be speaking with Bridget Warner about the offerings of the Zwanendale Museum. I'm your host, Madeline Messer, and I hope you enjoy this discussion on the origin of Delaware settlement. What does the Zwanendale Museum commemorate? The Zwanendale Museum commemorates the 300th anniversary of the first settlement. Uh, The first settlement happened in 1631. The Dutch West India Company came to what is now Lewis um, to establish a whaling colony. And approximately 300 years later, in 1931, the state of Delaware decided they were going to um, honor that and commemorate the Dutch settlement and build a museum. The museum is patterned after the um, town hall in Horn, the Netherlands, and um, the architecture is very much Dutch. What led the Dutch West India Company to initiate this expedition? They felt that there would be um, good whaling in this area. Unfortunately, they were mistaken, but um, that's what they decided to establish it as in the beginning. Um, It happened after Henry Hudson passed through here on his way to what is now New York. Um, He sent word back to the company. Peter DeVries, who is the gentleman, the statue that's up on the top of the building outside our building was the patroon or the organizer of this group that um, sent approximately 28 to 32 people over here to establish this whaling colony. What sort of people did come over on this expedition and why that type of person? You know, we we know about this from Peter DeVries' journal, and he didn't really describe what sort of people. I would have to just surmise a guess that they were probably adventurous. They were probably seeking a better life, um, trying to make a living. You know, that's that's why they came over here to establish this new colony or new outpost to to do whaling. How long did the outpost last for? It wasn't quite a year. One of the local Sikkanese Indians was fascinated with the um, coat of arms that the Dutch had on their palisade, and he um, decided he was going to take that. Uh, The Dutch were a bit dismayed by that, and they went back to the Sikkanese chief, and the Sikkanese chief decided they were going to punish the offending party, and they brought a trophy of that punishment back to the Dutch and presented it to them, and we believe it was the offending uh, party's head. It was definitely a cultural misunderstanding. The Sikkanese Indians thought they were doing the right thing. The Dutch, I believe, thought that was a bit harsh. And shortly thereafter, a few of the Sikkanese Indians came and, and totally wiped out the colony. Um, Peter de Vries arrived in 1632, not a little bit after that, like a little over a year after that and found the destruction and through conversation and which, you know, you got to realize conversation back then, how did that happen? I guess translators, et cetera, found out that that's what had happened to, to the people. And we know about this because he did write a journal. What else was recorded in that journal? And do we have any other logs of that time period? Um, we do not have any logs on, on site now. Basically, that was about the only thing that, you know, there was information about this area. He, he goes on to describe some of the journey and, and some of the um, local population. It is available online. Do we have any firsthand accounts of that settlement, either from the Dutch side or from the native side? That, that's the only account that we have, his journal. 
Now, whether there's, you know, anything out there that's available um, that hasn't been uncovered, but, but it, so far that that's the only word that we have of it. So you just, you're just basically taking the word of this one man as to what happened with that settlement, because obviously, um, you know, <laughs> nobody's was alive when he went back there. Are there any sort of physical remnants of this site or what else is the museum built upon? There are no physical remnants. You know, that that's the thing to to talk about it. Uh, we did have some some pre-contact items from the Native American uh, population at one time on exhibit. Um, our exhibits do change. But as far as the Dutch settlement itself, no, we do not. There are no there are no physical um, artifacts that are on site or even in our museum collection or in our historical and cultural affairs of collections. So you mentioned having some physical artifacts. Could you tell us about your current exhibits? Our current exhibits right now are artifacts from HMS de Brock, which was a British naval ship that had sunk near Cape Henlopen, off of Cape Henlopen in um, 1798. It was recovered in 1984 by um, a group of salvage salvage companies who um, thought that there was treasure on board. Uh, the only treasure really that that they found was the kind they didn't want. But of course, we, we found a treasure trove of artifacts that uh, taught Delaware a lot about the Royal Navy. Um, they were over here on convoy duty uh, during the Napoleonic Wars when merchant ships were um, tasked with coming over to the colonies to bring goods. Um, they were They were ordered to have a guard ship or convoy ship, a, a, a warship to to protect them from um, pirates and privateers. And they were on their way over here and it got separated from the convoy for a while. It took on a Spanish ship, which is what started to fuel all these uh, speculative stories about gold and, and treasure being on board, which really was not the case at all. It was some copper and it was some cocoa. However, the ship um, came into uh, Cape Henlopen area to take on some supplies. And very quickly when he went to um, get off of the ship, Captain Drew went to get off of the ship, a thunder gust came on suddenly and sunk the ship and half the crew was lost. But that just kind of perpetuated a whole lot of uh, stories about treasure and what was, you know, many years, many years people tried to uh, to salvage the ship and it finally happened through side scan sonar in the 1980s. We do have um, some artifacts from that ship um, that's always going to be a part of our um, exhibits because of the importance of that particular artifact. We do have a remaining uh, piece of the hull, uh, which we are keeping in a passive conservation area right now. Um, it is open for tours by appointment. It's a very important artifact because it was one of the of its only kind that has ever been raised or recovered um, in the world, and it's tells you the importance of global trade and, and what went on during the Napoleonic Wars and has taught us a lot about the British naval forces. The other exhibit that we have um, is the Roosevelt Inlet Shipwreck, and that 
happened um, in the 1700s as well. It was a merchant ship on its way to Philadelphia. There are two schools of thought. One school of thought believes it might be a British ship. Another believes it's a Dutch ship. It was discovered, I believe it was 2004, after the Army Corps of Engineers had done a beach replenishment. People that were beachcombing started to see all these pottery shards and artifacts on the beach, and they started to bring them to the museum. And because we are affiliated or under the auspices of historical and cultural affairs, we kind of shot it up the food chain. The beach was closed. They did uh, sifting, a lot of digging. Um, they hired a dive team and did a lot of research. And, and um, that was a pretty exciting time. It basically decided that it was a merchant ship. Um, we also have some lighthouse uh, displays, the door from the Henlopen Lighthouse that fell into the ocean in 1926. Um, we have some Delft uh, Dutch pottery. We have right now presently a canning exhibit. Um, Delaware was known for canning industry. Well, the canning exhibit, um, the Richardson and Robbins building, which is now the home of the Delaware Natural Resources in Dover, used to be the canning company in Dover. Um, Delaware used to have a really um, large canning industry, tomatoes, peaches, um, agricultural, you know, in, in this area. Um, the other, the other, I don't want to say industry that was really big in Delaware was holly. They used to make a lot of holly wreaths. Of course, that's not canning, but um, so we wanted to um, kind of show a few years ago when they started to lift the tracks in Lewis, there are no longer uh, train tracks that, that go into Lewis. There was only really one operating railroad that crossed the canal and went over to Lewis Beach uh, to the manufacturing plant there. But after the swing bridge broke, it became cost prohibitive to fix just for that one commerce or one trade company. So they decided, made the decision to lift the tracks. And when they did that, um, we felt as an organization that we needed to maybe make people aware of the importance of the railroads back in, you know, say, like the late 1800s and the 1900s and how, um, you know, they transported produce, they transported peaches, crates with um, different fruits and vegetables to the canning areas in Dover. Um, and the the cans themselves that we have on display are just absolutely gorgeous. The graphic arts on them um, just kind of shows you a bygone era because there is there is no more canning industry here in in the area. Absolutely, and that's an essential part to life in Delaware because we didn't always have that access to fresh produce. In addition to the canning exhibit, what else does the museum have on display? At the Zwanendale Museum, unlike our other museum sites, which are historic sites, we are more of a, of a museum per se in that because we're not a historic site, we can kind of go a little bit beyond our, our boundaries and um, change our exhibits up. So that gives us a little more free reign of what we can have, have on hand. Um, we've had art exhibits before and we've had beautiful glassware exhibits and we've had pre-contact exhibits and currently we have the um, canning upstairs and a railroad exhibit as well to um, kind of tell the story of the importance of railroads in the state of Delaware. Absolutely. Could you discuss more about 
transport both railroads and ships at that time and kind of how people, for example, how long it took for people to get from Europe to what this new settlement in Swanendale and kind of how they managed those transitions in a time before cars or airplanes. I'm guessing at this, but I'm guessing it was probably a matter of many, many months, maybe up to a year by ship. It was very dangerous. Obviously, the ships didn't have motors or or um, GPS or any of the modern conveniences we have today. They navigated by the stars and sextants. Um, they were very cramped quarters. They didn't have refrigeration. Stoves were fueled by fire. Very dangerous job. A lot of sickness. Very difficult life. You know, you had to you had to go with the wind and you had to go with the storms and and follow the weather. So it wasn't a, a, a very uh, luxurious life by any stretch. And then, of course, trains travel. I guess if you want to get into that, at one time Delaware had uh, trains that went as far as. Um, to Lewis Beach on Queen Anne's Railroad, and they would bring um, passengers in. There used to be a um, pier that was used for recreation, and that was, um, you know, a pretty fast way to get to the beach at that time. And I think that was a pretty long excursion too. I mean, I think that would that would have been a several hour excursion to get get to the beach, you know, just across Delaware. Certainly. So, how did that make relations between the Dutch settlers and the native population? Sometimes those exchanges would take multiple days. Could you speak to the effect of that lag in communication on native Dutch relations? Peter de Vries came over. He was the organizer of the whaling colony, and he came over to follow up on on how the colony was doing. And when he got here, he he found all this evidence of destruction. Um, I'm assuming it would have been, you know, probably human remains and scenes of violence remains from violence. And um, through, I guess, translators at the time and communication with the local Sikhanese population found out that that's what happened. But I guess my, my point is, and this is just my opinion, my opinion only, that would have been a very difficult task because you have to realize this was in the 1600s. Uh, we didn't have the, the great communication that we have today and we didn't have internet and we didn't have news companies like like we do today and and apps that would translate and this was all new new territory i mean this was the first time that that europeans you know set foot in 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 delaware which was to become the first state on the east coast and they you know how how did they how did they communicate? That just always fascinates me. A new world, new people. I guess it would be you know I guess to try to put it in modern terms, if there was life on Mars, the people that are thinking about colonizing and going to other planets, it's it's a whole new world, and it was probably a whole new world for them coming across the ocean to a new continent. Absolutely, the culture shock must have been enormous. I think those people were very brave and very hearty souls to be able to do that. And, you know, and there too may be desperate as well. You know, maybe they, they ran out of options in their country and, and needed uh, to look for better conditions and to, to try to make a better life. So they, you know, came over to another country, another continent. So you mentioned that this, this one deal museum isn't a historic site. It's just devoted to a lot of these maritime and 
other developments that happened as Europeans began to come in to the New World and to the Americas. Could you sort of explain to our listenership the significance of Zwanendale as the first European settlement in Delaware? Well, it was it was the first um, colony that was developed in what would become a hundred years later the first state in the United States. Um, Delaware was the first to ratify the Constitution, so they um, that's how it gets the first town and the first state name, and that's that therein lies the importance of it. So it was this first town in the first state. I think that's a really important idea. Was there anything useful that future colonists or settlers could get out of that settlement or learn from its mistakes? I think I think through it, um, there was a kind of a coming to terms and, and, a, and a communication and a reckoning with the, with the local Sikhanese population following that. Um, David Peter DeVries, the guy that's on top of the building, uh, the, the organizer of that group, when he came over in 1632, he, he reestablished it. Um, but there again, it, it, it folded up in less than a year because the whales were not the right kind of whales. There weren't whales that, you know, that the whales that they thought that there would be. Um, and I, and he moved on. And then shortly after that, it became under British rule. And apart from that settlement, can we also discuss the Roosevelt Inlet shipwreck? Um, that was an interesting um, time. Um, it brought a lot of people into the um, museum who had found these artifacts on the beach before the beach was actually closed to the public. And as they researched it, um, they discovered through timelines and through things that they found and things that they didn't find, they were able to kind of narrow it down to a certain time period. Um, and they believe it was like right before the Revolutionary War, based on some of the items they found. Um, a lot of pottery pieces were found. Um, there were some metal soldiers. There were some buttons, um, wine seals. One of the items was a wine seal from the Castanchia wineries in South Africa, um, creamware pottery, um, German pottery, Chinese pottery, um, which was how they kind of determined which kind of ship it was with all these different goods on it. A lot of Dutch clay pipes and um, clay pipes, that's a, that's a very interesting uh, subject. If you Google clay pipes and, and just start to look up maker's marks on Dutch clay pipes, you can really go down a rabbit hole and just try to try to see, you know, how they narrowed things down just by the maker's marks on, on the Dutch clay pipes. It was, it was a very interesting time. Um, a lot of research went into it, a lot of study, um, Thousands and thousands of artifacts, which are still housed in our collections um, facility in Dover. Um, just, you know, we, we often think that, that global trade is a new thing. You know, oh, well, the world has become global and we trade with this country and that country. Well, you know, we traded with this country and that country back in the 1700s as well. I often feel like history... Um, we don't really, I think man doesn't really change too much. I think we just kind of change how we do things. Absolutely. So would you say that 
Delaware was a major port or a major point of exchange for all these different uh, goods coming from many different countries. Oh, yeah, it absolutely was. And it still is. Um, you know, the ships that go up through the Delaware Bay to um, Philadelphia, major port in Philadelphia. And there was also the major ports in Baltimore. But but we had the shipping lane up into Philadelphia. And, you know, even today, if you if you ever go on a trip on the ferry, you'll see all the um, uh, merchant ships, well, trade ships, freight ships lined up waiting for pilots to take them on up into Philadelphia. Yeah, at one time it was a it was very 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 bustling in in this area with with merchant ships. What sort of impact would you say all that trade, all that sort of not in, all that commerce uh, had on Del- the development of Delaware, especially as a coastal state? Oh, I would say it had a significant. Um, uh, played a significant role in Delaware's development. I think it still does. Um, The Pilots Association um, is kept very, very busy with all the the ships that go up into the Port of Wilmington and the Port of Philadelphia. I think shipping is still a very vital part of of our commerce here. What other stories are relevant to the Zawanandale Museum, if any? What other stories? Well... We like to tell a little bit of Lewis history. Um, certainly, we're always telling Delaware history. Um, in fact, that is that is part of our mission statement to disseminate, you know, Delaware history. Saving Delaware history is our motto for historical and cultural affairs. I think the architecture speaks to a different time period, and and it, it's just always kind of really cool to come and just check out the architecture, and and of course. You know, one of my favorite is is um, the Debrock because there is so much to learn from that shipwreck. What are your favorite factoids? From I that think shipwreck? my favorite fact, well, I don't know that they're my favorite, but what fascinates me was the technology that was in place that really the British Royal Navy had in place that really, in essence, helped them to defeat the French. Um, Copper sheathing on the bottom of the ships to keep them safe from the woodworms that kept the the ships in in the water longer. They didn't have to go out to dry dock and be scraped off as frequently and repaired, so they had more ships in the fleets. Um, they, they, They used flintlocks on their cannons to make firing more oh, what's the word I want to say, accurate. They had very good, for the time, you know, up until the point that um, this shipwreck was discovered, it was kind of assumed that the enlisted men, the the common sailors, used wooden utensils, wooden bowls. But, you know, when when they discovered the artifacts that were from that shipwreck, they determined that, no, they were actually using china dishes as well, which would have been a lot more hygienic kept them healthier. Yeah, there was just a lot of a lot of technological advances that the British Royal Navy had in place that I think made a big difference in how how the war ended. That certainly does sound fascinating. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today. I'm sure anyone who's listening, if you have any other questions for Ms. Warner or want to see the new exhibits, you can go check out the Zwanendale Museum. Thank you, Maddie.
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Saving Delaware History Podcast, and hope to see you next time.